Are you in good company with healing? Well, you are now. This is my healing company, the place to awaken the divinity within you and heal the divine family with the power and authority of the mind, body, and spiritual technology. Hi, I'm Leslie Garrity Gamble. I am a mother, a wife, and a seeker heading home like all of you to our heavenly family. And I have been very privileged to be on this earth and have a knowledge of my heavenly father, my heavenly mother, my brother Jesus, and my sister Magdalene, and an opportunity to envelop that into my life. And I'm so grateful to be able to share that and the skills that I've learned with all of you. Hi, I am Ricky Gamble. I am 76 years young. I helped to raise six great children. Been working in the casino gaming industry for over four decades and was taught to count to 21. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am fortunate to be introduced to the Healing Company and get further instruction for developing my body, mind, and spirit in ways to bring more joy to my family and friends and people I am associated with. I'm Tyler Marler. I'm a 37-year-old husband, father, brother, son, and doctor who is married to the beautiful Milena Marler. I am a follower of Jesus Christ and enjoy studying and expanding my understanding of him through scripture and history. I graduated from the University of Utah in biomedical engineering, where I met Milena. I continued my master's degree and osteopathic medical degree from the founding school of osteopathy, A.T. Still University in Kirksville, Missouri. I practice osteopathy and uphold the philosophy of treating patients holistically by addressing their mind, body, and spirit. I am passionate about osteopathic manipulative treatment and incorporate it into my daily practice of medicine. Hi, my name is Milena Marler. I received my Bachelor of Science in Psychology from the University of Utah and then received my Master's in Elementary Education from Maryville University in St. Louis, Missouri. I am currently a teacher and have been for the last seven years in various capacities. Currently, I am an innovation and technology teacher at an elementary school where I teach 21st century skills such as critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity to a number of students ages kindergarten through fifth grade. And through this experience, I have been able to really learn what it is that children need in order for them to learn and grow. And I'm very passionate about educating the future of our world in this capacity. I'm also a mother to three children, Rachel, Jacob, and Madalena, and have the privilege of being married to my best friend, Tyler. And in the process, we also really enjoy studying various different cultures and learning from those cultures about their spirituality and connecting it with our own beliefs and to be able to see how all of us are able to come close to God in our own individual ways. And without further ado, I turn the time over to Ricky. Well, hello there. Uh, I am the proctor. And uh, so I'm going to ask people to answer questions that anybody might have. I know that we've been talking about a lot of issues and a lot of things. And uh, 
Would anybody like to start off with something that they've been thinking about? Well, I think regardless of our place uh, in time, there are universal truths that bind us all. We all have the necessity of oxygen. We all have the necessity of water. We all have the necessity of food and love and the presence of a mother and a father in each of our lives. Like all those ingredients had to happen and have to happen for life on this earth. What about the presence of uh, mother and father in heaven? Good one, Ricky. You want to tell us more about that? No, I'm asking you. I'm the proctor. (laughs) (laughs) So throughout human history, tales of the creation of this world often contain details that encompass a man or a woman that parent the rest of humanity. This story transcends culture, religion, and time period. Today we are discussing various variations of these stories and how these stories make way for us to connect with divinity through the divine masculine and divine feminine. We discuss the loss of balance that has occurred, and the need to reestablish the balance by reconnecting with the forgotten divine feminine. We call for this divine balance in our initial step of transformation and healing ourselves and our families. Well, so we're here. And I think Ricky had mentioned who is mother and father in heaven. What about that? And I think for our listeners who don't know what that is or have never even heard of that concept, it's probably important to mention that Um, All four of us are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. At the beginning of our church's establishment, we were actually known as the Godmakers because one of the unique principles of our um, spiritual beliefs and doctrines is that we come not only from a Godfather, but also from a Godmother. And as such, it allows us to be able to aspire through the choices and the way that we live our life here on earth to become gods as they are, depending on the way we live our lives, different promises that we can make with them as we continue to progress in this life and the connection that we have with them and continue to have with them as we seek after that relationship. And so as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we, we are able to talk about a god father and a godmother. Um, But I think one thing that's really interesting about that, Ricky, is that in various different cultures and spiritual beliefs, we actually aren't the only ones who believe in a godfather and a godmother. Um, In fact, it's amazing to see in the creation story that, that Tyler was mentioning at the beginning, there are several different creation stories where it is actually a godmother that creates the earth. Really? It is. It is a godmother in Native American in Native American creation stories. It is, in fact, a godmother that is the one who sets the path for that creation. Also, in Eastern Asian cultures, there is a godmother that starts the whole process. And so it's this amazing connection that we have with all of these different cultures around the world and these spiritual beliefs that we aren't the only ones who believe in a godmother. And we are unique, I think, in the Christian, in the Christian community to believe that. However, one thing that's just so beautiful about 
what we are finding is that the beliefs that we have as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in fact, connect with so many different cultures. And really, as we study these different creation stories, we'll really be able to understand how that fits into our lives and how those stories apply to our stories. And we can really create this much bigger, beautiful picture if we look at it all together. Well, if we wanted to uh, incorporate that into our lives, the best way to start would be with the children, I think. And so uh, to do that, we would need some kind of a school for them to be taught. Well, without a doubt, because the idea of divine and familial unity is as old as time and scattered throughout the ancient texts and depicted in the murals of our ancestral homes. Our shared stories and our religious doctrines, they attempt to connect us all and to teach us and to give us a common root from which we can all grow. But within this context of family and our spiritual teachings, we must learn the first lessons about love and respect and equality and our place here on earth. And so we do have a vision of a school, a palace of schools, where all faiths, all colors, all races, all persuasions of people are welcome under the banner of a mother and father in heaven, because we need a mirror of our heaven to focus down on our earth for us to see ourselves in our heavenly family and for our, our earthly families to be able to mirror that imagery for themselves. I love what you're saying, though, Leslie, because what happens is it makes me think of as a teacher. One of the things we talk about in literature, especially children need to be able to not only see themselves as in, a, in a mirror, but they also need to be able to see other people's experiences through windows. And we can even enter into it through sliding glass doors. So it's this idea that we should be able to see ourselves, which we are able to see through this idea of a divine mother and a divine father. Right. And through the experiences of those people who have lived throughout history, we have that window, right? And the moment that it becomes a sliding glass door is the moment where we start applying it and we actually step into and accept that divinity within ourselves. And so even just in education, we're teaching students how to have this experience to not only ex experience what it is that maybe other people in different familial situations may have different cultures, different racial backgrounds, but also from a spiritual background, because, you know, as a first generation American living here in the United States, I have a very different experience than, for example, Tyler, who has lived here. His family has lived here. However, his experience is very different because he was adopted and I wasn't. And so through those different stories that we're able to have, we're able to really commune and, and exchange through those different avenues. So I love how you use that as an example. Thank you. Tyler, tell us about that. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, from when I can remember as a child, my adoptive mother, who for all intents and purposes is my mother, because I was adopted at seven weeks old, she always helped me to remember my father in heaven. And I had a very good earthly father as well. And uh, she was a very good role model of someone who was upright and obedient and was full of faith and someone who I always looked up to and, and trusted because she was always uh, 
on the straight and narrow path. But when I found out that she wasn't my biological mother, I was 10 years old and I didn't really have a good understanding or concept of, you know, why I would necessarily need to have two mothers. You know, I was perfectly satisfied with my adoptive mother. And so it was never something I wanted to necessarily seek out. I had a very good relationship with my Heavenly Father, which continued to be strengthened as I served as a full-time missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I will say that when I got back from my mission, I had a strong desire to share the gospel with my biological mother because I felt a connection to her and wanted to to know that she was safely in the fold of, of God. And I really had no clue what her, her current state of spirituality was. As I went on a journey to try to understand if it was the right time to reach out to my biological mother, as I prayed and pondered and fasted, uh, I just felt like at that time, it wasn't the right time to try to have her in my life. As I've gotten married and now I have kids and have the mother of my children, you know, I've realized that having more than one mother can be a really good thing. So, <laughs> so recently I've been uh, introduced more fully to Heavenly Mother. I always knew that she existed because that's, you know, in the teachings of the church, but really it was never talked about in Sunday school or in talks, in sermons at church. And there's there's really not a lot of information in the scriptures, at least the, the canon that we use about Heavenly Mother. As I started to learn more about Heavenly Mother, mostly through other religions, other stories, other people's beliefs and personal experiences with their Heavenly Mother, I've felt a, a much deeper connection to, to my mother, to my wife, and this yearning to find my biological mother, who I feel is trying to reach out spiritually, and I'm in the process of trying to find. That's incredible. Well, the three subjects that we we are going to talk about, as, as well as many other, but body, mind, and spirit, that had a lot, a lot to do with the spirit of things. And uh, what about the mind? How do we how do we work that into our lives? Well, it just makes me think about uh, one book that I've recently read this summer is the book You Can Heal Your Life by Lois Hayes. And for those people who have read her um, work will really be familiar with the incredible life changing aspects that it offers us as you change your mindset, right? And so one of the first things that we do and it's not just we here, right? Or we collectively people. This is a very universal thought is that where your mind is, is where you become, right? And so in Eastern philosophy, we're talking about there's, you know, yoga and there is Buddhism and there is Taoism and there's Confucianism. And a lot of that belief system centers around where you put your mindset at, right? And so I don't claim to be an expert in any of those areas, but that is one thing that I find so fascinating and so beautiful in the the things that I have read in each of those areas is because they continuously 
encourage us as, a, as an individual to be in control of our minds. And we know that, I mean, even in the Bible that we read, that our minds are things, you know, our thoughts are things. And so the moment that our thoughts uh, detract from the ultimate purpose of why we are here on earth, which I guess we could also talk about that, right? The ultimate purpose of why we're here on earth. But if our, if our minds tend to go towards a more negative narrative based on the experiences we've had and those tapes we've recorded over years, decades, it it tends to manifest in our lives as this very difficult negative life experience. So it's been very eye-opening and, and a great reminder reading Lois Hayes' work of how as we focus our minds on the things that we want to be and aspire to be, it allows us to truly manifest in a magical way those things in our lives. Thoughts are things. What we think about comes about. What the mind conceives and believes you will achieve and what you profess comes to pass. So this is why our founders in 1776, after our revolution, the wives wanted the mention of, of women in the Declaration of Independence. They wanted it to say that all men and women are created equal. Well, that didn't happen in 1776 or 1791 when the Bill of Rights were published. But in the mid-1800s, the women suffragettes who were fighting for the abolition movement and also for women's rights, for women to have the vote, Katie Stanton, Susan B. Anthony's partner, she gave us this thought. She said the first step in the elevation of women to her true position as an equal factor in human progress is the cultivation of religious sentiment in regard to her dignity and equality, the recognition by a rising generation of an ideal heavenly mother. And in 1867, she called us out as a church saying that the LDS emphatically rupture the patriarchal monopoly of heaven by teaching a literal and personal embodiment of divine feminine who presides and co-creates with the father. Now, those are words from 1867, Melina, and I get goosebumps reading in them every, every time. time. So imagine if in 2023, you and I had been taught that from the moment of our birth and had been able to teach that to our daughters and granddaughters. What kind of a world would we live in? How different would it look than it does today? Well, I just, I find it interesting you bring that up. It, it, it brings up a whole nother a whole nother, I'm thinking in Portuguese, I'm thinking assunto. It's a whole nother subject. <laughs> whole nother subject category. She's speaking in tongues. I am speaking in tongues. Oh my gosh. It's a whole nother, a whole nother area of what we're talking about, right? We're talking about how in a creation story, we have this heavenly being that has created the earth in different religious areas. It's a lot of times, especially in Christianity, we'll talk about Christianity since we are all Christian. It's this father who has created the earth, right? There's no talk in the Bible of a mother alongside that, right? And so talking about those sliding glass doors and the mirrors and the windows as a woman in 
Christianity, it's very difficult to see that. And so what Katie Stanton says is absolutely incredible because she is saying that through this revelation that we, you know, Joseph Smith, the prophet received, we truly are able as women to become truly the equals that we need to be in order for our world to truly be the place that we would like it to be, right? Adding on to that, Melina, Joseph Smith, somewhere around 1836 or so, he had uh, received some Egyptian papyra from catacombs in Egypt and was able to translate five chapters of in Abraham. One of those is talking about the creation story. Instead of saying God, it says the gods, plural. So clearly more than one being. And so that would be a council of Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, probably Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that were all involved in the creation of this earth. Well, we all know that that is, that is the case. And it's like one of those things that is there, but for some reason is veiled. And we are not understanding how powerful that would be if we took off the veil and were able to release that uh, pressure that is underpinning, I believe, this feeling that women have of their worth. Because we're told on one hand, oh, it's going to be there. But then on the other hand, it isn't and hasn't. And it leaves us in this very difficult juxtaposition in this time period. And knowing that something's got to change. And that's what we're here to do, is to bring about that change. I think the change happened when... uh, Eve gave Adam the apple. That changed everything. And that created, uh, for me, a better life so that we could continue and grow. And how do you feel about Adam and Eve? I mean, doesn't Eve, uh, everybody gave Eve kind of like a bad rap for the apple, but I think it was a blessing. Yes, Ricky, we have a very unique perspective um, here in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because we do believe that the choice that Eve made in the Garden of Eden to partake of the fruit and then to to then give that fruit to Adam it was a positive decision. And that without both of them partaking of the fruit, they would not have been able to have children and we wouldn't be here today. And, and that is... A, unique view in Christianity Um, because the view that that I've read and heard from many other different religions, you know, is that that Eve had made a mistake and that if she hadn't partaken of the fruit, then we would be living a better life, you know, one uh, without pain and suffering and fear. But really, that's a misunderstanding of our purpose here on earth, because without having those opposing forces, good and evil, pleasure and pain, uh, light and darkness, our purpose here on earth would not actually lead us to becoming like our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. That purpose had to happen because if if Adam didn't eat the apple, then uh, they wouldn't have had children. 
It's just been the two of them romping around, playing, having a good time. <laughs> now that sounds like your ideal life. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, why do we think the men having multiple wives in heaven when I think one wife would be sufficient? Adam and Eve, you know, Adam didn't ask for more Eves. You know, that's not just a thought that we as members of the church have, right? I mean, in different religious sects, this idea of men having multiple wives. I mean, we have um, in the Middle East, it's, it's very culturally acceptable that yes. a man who has the wealth also has additional wives. Now, again, I don't propose to be an expert in any way, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I think that it's very interesting how this idea of of women being given to men like a property is very it's a very interesting thought to have in context to what the world we currently live in is right so i love that you brought up eve because i just i quickly looked this up in this article it talks about how eve and the way that she's depicted comes a lot from the greek mythology of pandora and it was the greek mythology of pandora where pandora was given the box do we know the story of pandora mm-hmm do you want to quickly tell us? Do you do you know? What, could you tell us quickly off the top of your head how it goes? So Zeus gives Pandora a box and tells her not to open not it. Not to open it. Right? Because if she does... Then all of these spirits are going to be released and would not be able to be returned back. Yeah. And, and with that would also be chaos, right? Complete chaos. Complete chaos. Mm-hmm. And so Pandora can't help herself. She's so curious, right? And what does she do? Opens the box. She opens the box. And so it's really interesting to, to read this, how this idea of the negativity that was given in a lot of ways comes because Christianity was taken to the Greeks and the Romans, right? And so this is their interpretation. They, they're taking the story that they were given and trying to relate it to something that they know. And the closest thing they can find is Eve is Pandora. That makes perfect sense, right? So, of course, Eve must be must have made a mistake, right? right? And again, so it's really this is a perfect example of how culturally when we share stories, we can really we tend to take something and assimilate it into our idea, into our experience, into our culture, into our lens, right? And right. interpret it a completely different way. Maybe not the way, most likely not the way it was meant to be interpreted. Exactly. Well, we as a um religion and 1830, after the Book of Mormon was published, were the first religion, Christian religion, to debunk the idea of original sin. There was no such thing as original sin. We were not born sinners. And so Eve actually then was given a pardon. We pardoned Eve. How about that? So Eve has been pardoned. (laughs) And at the same time, we had the uh, incredible gift of being given the understanding of a heavenly mother and a heavenly father. Because in Mormonism, we have a beautiful story of of creation and progression. Our earth is an earth that was given to a man and a woman who had lived life on another earth and lived their life to the highest level of ascension and given their own earth to create and procreate. So, That would be like Ricky and I being given our own earth 
although that would never work. We do not agree on anything. No. <laughs> Our Elena and Tyler being given their own. <laughs> but the point is that that is how it happened. And we are given the beauty of that story of that, uh, that a man and a woman were given this earth to create and procreate together. And that's what happened. And all of these spirit children, us among them, Jesus among them, our brother Lucifer among them, all of that happened. So there was chaos too, just like in families. But they were given a story and an identity that said, all right, one brother says, we're going to have complete control. What does that sound like? <clears throat> you know, communism or something like that? No. <laughs> the other brother says, no, we're going to have free agency and I will sacrifice myself and go down and be a savior to take upon the sins so that this will be a learning and growing experience for our brothers and sisters on earth to grow and progress to achieve their own worlds. So here this beautiful story comes out of the Mormon culture in 1830. And then after our founder, Joseph Smith, was martyred in, in 1844 and his wife, Emma, left, I feel as if that story got put away like got put in the back recesses of the library and we have not brought it back out to enjoy its beauty. And if ever there was a need for more love coming from heaven, this is the time. If ever there was a need for us to come to our mother's arms, this is it. This is the call to our mother's arms. That's how I feel. We need our mother in heaven. I need our mother in heaven. I, I think it's not just us. I think from what Tyler was just saying, and also from the experiences we've had um, discussed with Ricky in our conversations, it's not just a thing women need. I think men need it just as much as women need. And in regards to helping them embrace their feminine side, you know, our, our society and our culture has really villainized and made the softening and sensitivity of men to be this weak thing, Right. And so having a mother in heaven, all of a sudden, it's not just a macho, macho, you know, I'm going to be God type thing, right? It's, it's this beautiful symbiosis of allowing men to connect with their inner sensitive self, with their inner feminine self. You know, we, in Eastern culture, they talk about how both men and women, they each have a masculine and a feminine side. In fact, uh, in acupuncture and chiropractics. And there's always this discussion of, well, is this on your left side or your right side? Depending if it's your left side, it's your feminine side. If it's your right side, it's your masculine side. What is your body telling you? Now we're kind of getting into the body. But it's just this really incredible idea of how... Then I just lost my thought of heart. I just lost something. <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. I was thinking that. <laughs> You're talking about divine masculine. About divine, divine masculine and divine feminine. Oh, that both. Sorry. There we yeah, go. Back on track. Men also <laughs> need a divine mother in heaven. Yes. Right? Yes. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why in the Eastern part of the world, because there is this combination of both, there is kind of this fluidity within genders in, in embracing that. And it's not looked at as negatively as it is in, you know, here in Western society, um, when men have, be, have a more feminine side or labeled as possibly something completely different. 
Right. I, you know, we were talking about thoughts, right? You had mentioned thoughts, Ricky, you know, mind, how, how is it that mind, how can we improve our mind? So we mentioned Lois Hayes. We mentioned this idea that if we can truly see both that can improve our thoughts. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is in Proverbs, it says, as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. So this idea that has been said by so many, you know, inspirational or new age thinkers, right? It's really not so new age. <laughs> it's a thought that has been there forever, right? Um, here's another one. In Philip, it says, whatsoever things are true, honest, pure, or lovely, think on these things. I wonder why. Why should we be thinking of these things? Or it also says, oh, this is a good one. I love this one in, in the Book of Mormon. Second um, Nephi, it says, remember that to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life eternal. So here we have, we have this, depending what it is that's going in your mind really determines the direction your life is going, right? We really get to choose what perspective and what vision we see before us. Absolutely. You know, the influences that all of us have in our lives on a daily basis with uh, the technology that we have uh, through social media and through TV, through the internet, we, we have so many voices and different perspectives and information that, that we are exposed to and lots of advertisements and subliminal messages that go into our minds uh, on a subconscious level. And there's very sophisticated algorithms and technology that exist today that taps into your subconscious without you knowing it at all and, and helps kind of shape your decisions without you knowing it, which, you know, there, there's a, a very interesting documentary that depicts this called The Social Dilemma about Facebook. With that as a backdrop, it, you know, it's so very important to be able to recognize the truth in our day. And one of the ways that we can recognize truth from things that are meant to deceive us is by using spiritual technology as opposed to the physical technology that we are also very familiar with. Spiritual technology involves uh, using, so to speak, our sixth sense, something that you can't necessarily see or feel, but that is nevertheless present. Many different cultures um, refer to this spiritual technology as energy, chi, the Christian religion refers to it as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. But really, we're all talking about the same thing. You know, you can kind of group it all together as spiritual technology. And what this does is help us to navigate the world by using these eternal truths to help further uh, the spreading of, of love and really helping to connect all of us and the connection that we have with our Heavenly Mother, I think, is something that is missing in the world today and that can really help us develop our spiritual technology further. Indeed. Well, wouldn't you say then that the time has come to weave a new story, one that honors the equality of all beings and embraces the full spectrum of human potential? 
Yeah, men and women should be created equal. Absolutely. Divine they masculine, divine feminine. Uh, yeah, they, that's how they were created equally. But it just didn't seem to work out that way for a while. Now, now it's time to see if we can get that fixed. Well, it's up to us. Yes. It's up to us. We have to call, calling all mothers and fathers to a call to arms of our mother in heaven. Because if ever there was a need for a loving mother on this earth, this is the time. We need the nurturing and love of a, of a heavenly mother working alongside our heavenly father and, and inspiring us to, to follow our brother Jesus and, and live that path of Christ consciousness. We need both parents. This is a two-parent family. We need them both. Oh, it just makes me think, <laughs> Leslie. It just makes me think, you know, one of the biggest things that in, in the American society that's so, so prevalent and it's in many ways, there's been so many studies, is talking about single parenting. Yes. And how it how hard it is on the children who have been raised in these single parent homes. If we're seeing this in our society, we are mirroring exactly, exactly what it is. I just made that connection. That is huge. It is huge. Well, that's what I was feeling, I have to tell you, when we had a talk recently uh, come out of our conference that was beautiful and asking us to envision what it would be like in this highest kingdom living with our Father in heaven and our brother in Jesus and how it's only there that we can be there with our Father in heaven and our brother Jesus and and I'm thinking exactly that. Well, what about mother? Wouldn't we be excited to be there with mother in heaven? And isn't that just as equally as exciting for us as beings to want to be with both mother and father? So that goes directly to that single parenting. I really know what that has done for me in this last six years of creating this relationship with my heavenly mother and what that has meant for me in feeling my worth as a woman, in feeling my worth as a mother, in feeling my worth as a daughter of heavenly parents. It's changed my life. It truly makes you feel completely whole. That's exactly what it did. I mean, coming from a, a, a family where my parents ended up separating, I mean, there's always kind of been this whole the other hole not the full hole the whole the empty hole the empty <laughs> hole right yes and it's a hole that's very difficult to fill um not having those parents i you know i watched tyler's parents and i i mean i admired them for them having that connectivity and having that love and having that we are in this together regardless there's something so comforting about that i can only imagine not having that, you know, and not to say my, my mother is incredible. My father has been incredible and it's just when they're not together, you know, it's, it's very difficult for you to feel that comfort, which is the comfort some people are missing. They, they could be living a life that is righteous, you know, doing all the things they're going into their, their church meetings and their praying and they're fasting and they're reading the word of God and, you know, they're serving a fellow man. They're loving the people around them and they still have that hole. And we have the answer. And we do. We have an answer to fill that hole. Yeah. Let's talk about it. What's the answer? 
Mother in heaven. Father in heaven. Together. Working together. Joint custody. (laughs) (laughs) We want joint custody in heaven. Amen. And women. A women. And so it is. I know I know I heard a story years ago from my wife and I can't even remember their names correctly, but Akhenaten and Nefertiti, is that That's exactly right. I don't know which one's the male and which one's the female, but they had a good relationship, didn't they? They sure did. And, they were equal partners and so sparrows. That time on earth was blessed. I mean it was it was a good time to be around. And so how do we get that feeling back to now where, you know, where we are uh, equal, masculine, feminine, or equal in, in everything, in decision-making. And I mean, I could see, you know, if there could be a man and a woman president together. I don't know if that could ever happen. but That's exactly how it should happen. Yeah, yes. they, you know, they, they should be, they, you should get both sides of the, of the story to make one good conclusion of what, what should be done or how it should be done. I'm, I'm just looking for a better life for my kids and my grandkids. And we have it. We have it from heaven to earth. We just have to emulate it. So we've got it in our story. We just have to remind ourselves. And we have to bring that out in our culture again. Heavenly Mother needs to be brought out of the closet. She is now released from spirit prison. She's here. (laughs) (laughs) But Ricky was was, uh, talking about Akhenaten and Nefertiti, uh, the Egyptian pharaohs of the 18th dynasty. And it is worth mentioning, as we've been discussing cultures from, from millennia ago, but the longest running piece of any culture was in the Egyptian culture because of the dynamics of masculine and feminine equality from leadership from the top down. And what a great example of that and learning from our ancestors how to have a better life. I think what we need to do is be more humble and teachable and willing to make change. That makes me think of the scripture of turning our the hearts of the children to the fathers. You know, truly, when we look to our past, we can learn so much, right? When yes. We look to the experiences that that our forefathers have had. We keep cycling. And what is it? You say this all the time, Leslie. Einstein said this. Doing the same thing over and over again. And is, expecting different results. Is the true ins- definition of insanity. Correct. Yes. Is the true definition of insanity. And Einstein also says that... You cannot solve the problems of today at the same level of thinking that created them. So we've got a whole bunch of problems created by primarily a masculine mindset. And this is why what Ricky was saying is so important, because we know that there's essential differences in the masculine and feminine brain, and we need it to work together like two pieces of a computer. We need both sides to the motherboard. Man, we're connecting computers. We're, I know. We're getting our <laughs> heavenly parents, you know, joint custody. We're just doing it all today. We are rewriting the narrative. Well, I'm, I'm kind of concerned or, or interested in uh, body, mind, and spirit, but I don't think we've talked about body. We haven't delved into the body 
And uh, thank you for bringing that up, Ricky. So as a, a family medicine physician, you know, I've spent several years studying the physiology and biochemistry of the human body. And something that I, that is becoming increasingly apparent to me as I practice medicine and meet patients from every different walk of life is how connected the spirit is with the physical body. And the spiritual state and the emotional state of, of a person, how that affects your physical well-being. Wait, so you're saying the mind also affects your body? Absolutely. How so? There, there have been several uh, studies on the placebo effect. The placebo effect is if you believe that a treatment is going to help you, then the chances of it helping you are very high. So they've shown in studies that if you're given a water pill for an illness that's ailing you, and you believe that, that this water pill is, is treating your problem, 70% of the time, you'll get better. And most medications that we have on the market today for any ailment are only 30 to 50% effective. We are just tapping in to medications for certain diseases that are highly, highly effective. You know, th about 90% of our physical diseases and illnesses that we experience are are actually from thoughts that we have or uh, stress that we are experiencing and 10% are uh, physiologic and from the physical world, whether that's exposure to uh, a virus or to uh, something in the natural world that we've been exposed to, you know, getting stung by a bee, being born with, uh, with genetic problems. And, um, so that was something that I learned uh, going through medical school. And they don't necessarily teach you that. I learned that from a family doctor who was one of my mentors. How powerful the mind is. But the mind at this point is actually more powerful than medicines that you're saying. Yes. The more efficacious when the mind is focused on a potential or an outcome, manifesting that outcome. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I think then that goes to everything we're talking about, how important it is to have in the minds of women, their worth, for women to have in their minds, their elevated worth of equality with their partners, their sacred partnership, and how important that would be for their self-esteem and for their well-being. I couldn't agree more. You know, I've seen in several patients throughout all of my training and, and in my practice that um, mental illness has become something that I see multiple times a day in so many of my patients that is causing other diseases that then need to be treated. And the, the root cause comes down to either a misunderstanding of how the relationship between the divine masculine and divine feminine should be that stems from divorce or a relationship with their father or their mother that is very strained or, you know, or traumatic or the relationship between um, them and a spouse or a child that has caused distress. 
and the coping mechanisms have not been uh, identified, understood, or put into practice. And as a, a doctor only having 15 to 30 minutes with a patient, it's impossible for me to explain what has taken me a lifetime to understand uh, in a brief visit. And so part of this podcast is to provide a forum for some of those ideas and teachings to be taught. And really having a school uh, in the future where our children can be taught those things along with the secular understanding that's already being taught in schools, but being taught in a way that they can learn those coping skills when relationships are difficult and are not ideal, which all of us have experienced in one form or another. Absolutely. But I think as we've said, how different it would be if we were here on earth experiencing that with our significant other, but being able to plug into our heavenly family as a unit to feel the power of that union to shine to us below here on this earth. So I often would have said in my family, name somebody where it works out. Who, who, who have you seen? Where is it working out? Well, it's working out for mother and father in heaven. You know, we can go there. If, we, if that's where we have to use the example, what a wonderful, great example to be able to use. But that's what we need as women. We need to feel that. We need to feel that continuity. That that is, that is a forever eternal process that we can count on and that we can look to as the goal. So I would say your patients need to be sent home with a heavenly mother. Every one of them should be sent home with a heavenly mother. A heavenly prescription. <laughs> you can ask your patients, would you like the physical prescription or the heavenly prescription? <laughs> How about you have both? We have one that's masculine and feminine. We double up in the shot, you know. <laughs> I can testify to that. I had one. I feel a lot better. <laughs> Well, that's our goal. Our goal is to bring narrative, to rewrite this narrative, empower the feminine, and heal the world. Sounds simple, right? I know in our conversations, Tyler and I have said that over 70% of the women that come into his practice, it all stems from an emotional, whether it's depression or anxiety. Haven't you said that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And it's just so interesting because... I just looked up Lois Hayes. Why do you have depression? Why do you have anxiety? Depression happens because you have anger and because you have hopelessness. I mean, talk about the world we live in. I mean, no wonder people are depressed, right? Right? They feel hopeless. Anxiety is not trusting the flow and the process of life. I mean, come on. Everyone is so worried and pent up about what's going to happen tomorrow because you look at the news and You have social media to compare everything to. No wonder women are suffering from this. I mean, the whole society that has been built has been built to create this. Keeping up with the Joneses. It's also created this stigma of fear, right? We live our lives in fear. And so it's no wonder so many women, especially, and then they don't have a mother in heaven to look to. It comes back down to this idea would you say that men have as, as high of a, a percentage of anxiety and depression? 
Um, you know, I think that oftentimes men are not as willing to admit that they have a problem with depression or anxiety. And so I, I actually don't see as many of them in my practice because they're not coming to the doctor. So many men come to the doctor because their wives or their mother <laughs> makes them go to the doctor because they can see that there's a problem. And that's okay. That's why we need a mom, right? Because, you know, that's why we need our mother in heaven to say, exactly. there's a problem there. Uh, you might want to fix that, you know. <laughs> I, I, I know we've all received correction from our mother uh, and from our father. But, you know, when it comes from mom, you know that it means business. Well, we know it is the time. It is the time to remind us that uh, we're on the right path. We're here at The Healing Company providing great wisdom of healing that has come to us individually, and we want to be able to pass it on to you. A women, Leslie. <laughs> and so it is. And so it is. And so it is. Thank you for joining us on your healing journey at My Healing Company. We hope you found inspiration, knowledge, and insights that can empower you and your family to live a more balanced and divine life. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing, we invite you to explore our services and resources at myhealingcompany.com. There, you will find a wealth of information, services, workshops, and events to support your path to healing and transformation. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media for the latest updates, interviews, and enlightening content. Your feedback and questions are always welcome. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out. Remember, healing is a continuous journey that is best done through the power of spiritual technology. We are here to support you every step of the way. Take good care of yourself and stay connected with us for more healing insights and wisdom. Until next time, continue to awaken your divinity through the power of your mind, body, and spirit.